All right. Um, I have been um, uh, in and out of the pulpit, and we've had the holy days, and when I started this series on music, our musicians weren't always able to be here, and I kept editing and redoing it, and uh, it feels now like, is that series still going on or not going on? So um, I, I wanted to get started on something, I thought we would do it today. Um, and uh, so this message, what we will do is I'm going to talk a little bit. I talked about this before. I'll talk a little bit about what we're going to do. Then when we get ready to do it, we're going to turn off the recorder. We're going to do that for two reasons. One, uh, it won't pick up everything, and it will pick up me over everything, and, and I don't want that. So um, I'd like you to, uh, well, let me say in, in this series... We covered the origin of music in the scriptures and the origin of formal worship with the song of Moses that was done at the Exodus. God did something, people responded in song. We've talked about the three types of instruments, uh, the string instruments, the wind instruments, and percussion uh, that are used uh, supplemental to the human voice, which has the priority in, uh, in worship. Uh, we looked at the typology that Paul uses uh, of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I suggested that psalms is, in a sense, the singing of Scripture, that hymns are more declarations of God's character or His acts, and that spiritual songs tend to be more folksy or personal testimonial songs. And, and we've done uh, each of those in the service today um, in, our, in our liturgy. We've examined our hymnal and its history and its application to our own liturgy uh, and uh, at the Disciple Center. And we've also looked at the components of uh, sacred music in terms of their direction. Is it directed to God? Is it directed to others? Its function, is it a prayer song? Is it a praise song? Is it a testimony song? What the lyric is, and a little bit about style, though I'm going to talk more about that uh, next week. Last time, if you recall, I talked about music being sacred the difference between common music and sacred music. And I said that we have to uh, watch out for the idea of entertainment. One of the problems is, uh, and this is generational, if you are my age or older, then you remember music in a less entertainment orientation. Music was used in uh, a different context. Music might be used in work to get a rhythm of the work. It might be used just because there wasn't a lot of other things going on and people would sing, just break out in song and others would sing with them. I remember my uh, parents and grandparents would get together and they would sing old uh, songs um, down by the old mill stream, some Al Jolson and Eddie Cantor songs. Uh, and those, those are part of my childhood memory of them all singing. They sang into a tape recorder tried to harmonize, everybody would harmonize. And, and music was more of an activity. Uh, then music began to be more entertainment-only oriented. It's always been part of entertainment. But it became where people kind of just sat and watched it. Or they uh, sang along. Uh, if I'm going to hear a music group and I want to hear their song, I don't want the idiot next to me singing uh, the song out of key, you know, uh, but that happens a lot because now we've got this whole different kind of 
America's greatest artist kind of mindset. Um, I want us to, to think uh, more clearly of how music can be used in a different sense. And so today I want to talk about music being used uh, in ministry, and particularly ministry to, to one another. Um, so first I have to say, what, what, what is ministry? Ministry is actually um, giving, helpful giving to another. It's very similar to the word love. But it's the idea, if I minister to you, I am doing something for you. If somebody uh, needs a glass of water and I bring them a glass of water, I have ministered water to them. Uh, If somebody's lawn needs mowing and I mow their lawn, I've ministered uh, lawn mowing to them. It's it's this kind of notion. And the Bible talks about ministry really in three directions. What we have done this morning is ministry unto the Lord. We have, we have given him his praise, we have given him his due, we have presented ourselves to him, we have, we have given to him uh, the acknowledgement that he is God and that we are dependent upon him, and, and that ministers to the Lord. That's, that's how the, the term is used uh, in the scriptures. We also minister to one another, and that's what I want to talk about, uh, fellow believers. And then we minister to the world, and when we minister to the world, what we're doing is usually a ministry of, of uh, presenting the gospel to them or taking care of a need in the name of the Lord. And in doing so, uh, that, that becomes ministry. When we minister to one another, we are edifying the body. We are building up the body. We are making the body uh, healthy. And so I want you to look at a passage with me, Colossians chapter 3, uh, 12 to 17. Uh, if you look at this verse and not think of it in entertainment manner, you, you see that music is actually an instrument of, of ministry uh, towards one another. So uh, Paul says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. If we love one another, we bring about unity. That's why the three great commandments, you shall love God, is to be holy. You shall love your neighbor, is to be righteous, to do good. And to love one another is to be in unity. And those three principles are critical uh, for us. They're what I'm talking about now in the catechism videos uh, during the week. But that's important to teach our children that those three things, principles that are the greatest of the principles is that we are to give ourselves to God, we are to give ourselves to one another, uh, and we are to uh, give ourselves to our fellow believers, to our neighbor and to one another in that sense. So he then goes on and says... Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Uh, We are to think of ourselves as a community of faith. We are to think of ourselves as belonging to people. It's not a me and Jesus thing. It's a us and God thing. It's a us and Israel thing. It's a us and fellow believers. That, That notion of the unity of God and being unified with God and being unified with one another is is what being called uh, to God is about. And then he says, 
let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, indeed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You'll notice that being thankful is all through this passage. But I want you to notice that it doesn't say, with all, uh, uh, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with sermons and lessons and lectures. Doesn't say that. Now you would think that's what it would say. Because that's what we do. But it doesn't say to do that. It says that we're to do this with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing to each other, with each other, tying, you can change the mood of a group by breaking out in a song. Because what it does is it pulls them into that common knowledge that you have of that song and those lyrics and, and that thing. And it pulls the emotions into connection with what's being said. And if what's being said is the word of Christ, the word of truth, the scriptures, then it pulls us into a spiritual reality. I know that we think that emotions are the spirit of God, but we're supposed to tie our emotions into truth. And, and that's really important. Otherwise, our emotions drag us away. So, one of the things that we are to do as a community is involve ourselves in love, and we're to teach and admonish each other through music, through sacred music. So, how do we minister in music? Well, we have a common hymnology, which includes psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we can do this at home by exposing our children to the music of the faith. Um, I, uh, I have enjoyed, uh, over the years, uh, when, uh, when Braden and, and uh, Brenna were small, uh, Linda would try to teach them uh, little, little songs uh, that she had learned when she was little in the church and uh, get them singing those songs. Uh, and uh, she got some CDs that had all of those. Some of those I had not heard ever, and some of them I hadn't heard in a long time. And it's interesting because there are songs that you hear as a child that stay with you, and for some reason, even though they might sound a little corny, they minister to you. You know, songs like, The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, right? And it ties you back there. Jesus loves me, this I know. Those songs begin to put seed in the person's life that will, will bear fruit throughout. And so it's very important because... With media now, our children are being exposed to all kinds of music and all kinds of lyrics and all kinds of content. And if we don't establish in the home some of those things, the children aren't going to catch that. Now, beyond that, uh, there are times when we uh, minister to ourselves with music. Um, when I am at a point where 
I just can't read anymore and I can't cope. I can sing a song or listen to a song and it can build me back up. It can strengthen me again. And we can do that to each other and that's what I'm wanting us to begin to do. We do this in the congregation routinely in the music that we have tied to our liturgy. Now this morning, I particularly enjoyed the liturgy because I love Holy, 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 and I love Kadosh. And when those are put together, it just works really well. Okay? And the other songs uh, are there that, that, are, that, are, that are meaningful to me. Um, and if you go through the liturgy that we do at the Disciple Center over the years, we have tried to tie music that fits those texts so that we are uh, doing that appropriately. Now, I think we need to uh, expand that. We need to have some alternatives. The problem with this is um, uh, every once in a while we get to a song and we don't remember it well because we only sing it once a year, right? So we have to, we have to figure out how to Sing them more, more often in that kind of context. So I do think that we need to expand our musical liturgy. And as you know of songs, hymns or spiritual songs that match texts that we read or themes that we do in the liturgy, be important to bring those in for us to uh, uh, begin to use them in that context. Um, but I want us to look at another passage, and I didn't put it in the bulletin because I forgot to write it in there. I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is a verse that since I was 16, uh, I struggled with. And then when Linda and I got married, uh, and the day after we got married, I became the associate pastor at a Quaker church. I... I got exposed to this verse in a very different way in, in that uh, time. Chapter uh, 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 26, Paul says, What's the outcome then, brethren, when you come together or when you assemble? He's talking about when we gather as believers. Each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now what Paul's talking about is when the congregation comes together, they aren't coming together for a show. The liturgy is important and it brings us to God and we have that common, but within the liturgy must be an area where what God is doing among us and in us is uh, able to, to operate. And in many congregations, that only happens in Sunday school, in small groups, or in other groups. In this congregation, we specifically have a time when that is, uh, is possible. And that's our testimony time. And the testimony time is not really a testimony time. It's a uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 26 time. The Quakers have a... Uh, They have a way of doing things they call the quiet time, which is funny because it's anything but quiet. Uh, they will sit there and one will stand up and start singing a song and the others will sing with them. Another one will stand up and read a verse and they will listen. Another will tell what that verse means to them 
and another person will lead a prayer. And what they are doing is they are uh, doing exactly what this verse says. Now, what happened as they began to do this is that you know what happens if we do sentence prayers? Uh, you don't know who, unless we're going around in a circle, you know, okay, this person's praying, then it's my turn, right? Then what we do is we kind of wait to see who's going to go next. And if you pay attention, you'll notice that people start clearing their throat. Give you a little sign, I'm next. <clears throat> okay, okay, and then they talk, right? Uh, well, the Quakers uh, didn't, uh, they had that same thing. We're sitting around, who's going to talk next? And so what began to happen is the person, I'll, I'll show you, the person would be sitting there and they would kind of shake and then people knew they were going to get up next. Okay? People watching them started mocking them and calling them shakers. And then the term changed from shaker to Quaker. Because that wasn't their name. Their name was Friends. The Friends Church. But that's where the Quaker tradition comes from. It's this thing of being the quiet time. Now, when I experienced the quiet time the first few times in that church, I was amazed. I thought, this is what... Uh, needs to be in every congregation. There's got to be a time to share what God is doing and to share our giftedness in the context of the service. And so our testimony time is a time when you can share what God's doing. You can lead in a prayer. You can lead a song. You can sing a solo. Those kind of things. We need to expand that. And all the more because, remember, our children are still in the service at that time. They're not going to hear this. But that is going to be the last thing that happens in front of them before they go out. And to hear dad or grandpa or mom or older brother and sister stand up and talk about what God is doing in their family life. To hear what God is doing in, in music that has happened to them is going to minister to them and it's going to set a foundation for those things. So, I'm hoping that uh, you will begin to expand that. I, I can preach less if you talk more, if you minister more. But we have to do this where we're not just droning on and on and on. And, you know, you have to... When I come to speak, I, ha I prepare what I'm going to say. If you're going to give a testimony or if you're going to lead a song, if you're going to do it, you prepare that and you come knowing what you're going to say. You don't just wind around and, you know, we finally we have to say, would you land the plane and what are you talking about, right? Um, and if people want all that extra detail, none of us will remember it. But if we need that extra detail, we can ask you afterwards. So short prayer requests, short testimonies that, that make it clear that God's among us and allow people to participate is really valuable. And one of those that we can do is the use of the hymnal. So I'd like you to grab your hymnal. This is what I've been wanting to do for ages, but Linda wasn't here and she's here now. So I'd like you to uh, take your hymnal and I want you to turn uh, with me to hymn number uh, 737. The airplane song. No, <laughs> no it's not that. And at this point, we're going to uh, shut off the uh, sermon tape. So goodbye to those who are listening on the web.